Welcome to The Scott Pod, a podcast celebrating the life, work, art and music of Scott Hutchison, frontman of Frightened Rabbit, Al John, Master System and so much more. Each episode of The Scott Pod features a conversation with a special guest who's done something to commemorate Scott, and this episode is no different. Shortly we'll be talking to Dan Stevenson, guitarist of extreme metal band Frontera, who have twice featured in Rolling Stone's Top 20 Metal Albums of the Year with 2015's Orange Mathematics and 2018's follow-up, Unloved. Now three albums in, countless UK and European tours down, and festivals including Arctangent, UK Tech Fest, and Motoculta in 2022 alone. Dan also plays in the band Sectioned, as well as producing and releasing music under the moniker Lift, whose debut record, There Is Beauty In Everything, released last year, 2021, on Venn Records featuring some of Dan's friends from across the UK music scene. Stick around until the end to hear a very poignant and special cover of Dan's favourite Scott song. Before that though, back to the subject of this episode's chat, I spoke to Dan upon his return from an Australian tour with band Frontera, during which Frontera fan and fellow Frabbit enthusiast Gareth Raymore Harding shared a photo of Dan's Frightened Rabbit themed tattoo. A big thanks to Gareth for the assist on this episode. Anyway, less of me, let's hear from Dan. I'm Dan Stevenson. I'm a guitar player in the band Frontier, and I also make music under the moniker of Lift. And yeah, I'm a, a huge Frightened Rabbit fan and yeah, big fan of Scott Hutchison's work. When this podcast came along, it felt like a nice pairing, I suppose. Not that I have huge amounts to add to the, the pile of great things people have already said, but enormous fan and would love to contribute to anything towards it. I live in the middle of nowhere. There's a farm near us where they are apparently moving a lot of cows. So if you hear any mooing or anything like that. <laughs> How are you, man? Yeah, doing well, thanks. Um, I'm at the tail end of some jet lag after being on tour just now. So yeah, slowly getting back to real life. But yeah, doing pretty well, thanks. How's the recovery going? Yeah, it's, it's pretty tough. I mean, thankfully, I've done quite a lot of like long haul flights and stuff. I've done the Australia one before, so I kind of knew what to expect. But last time I did it, I was like 12 years younger than I am. And <laughs> yeah, a 34 year old body after two weeks of tour definitely um, struggles a bit more than when I was younger. Feeling good, feeling like I finally caught up on sleep. So yeah, it's good. I saw a lot of the pictures and footage from you guys over there and tour seemed wild. Yeah, it was amazing. Just I constantly feel so, so lucky to be in the band and travel to places like Australia and wherever people queue up and want to experience it. And it blows my mind. It's the only thing I've ever wanted to do with my life since I was like a child. So yeah, just massive gratitude to be able to actually go and do that. It's unbelievable. What would you categorize Frontier as as a band? I get asked this an awful lot. I suppose to me, it's like extreme metal meets experimental prog music, I guess. I mean, we get lumped in as mathcore. That's the very watery version of what we get called. But I think that's a bit um, reductive. I think there's a bit more to it than that. Extreme metal, I suppose, is the easy way. Are any other members of Frontera secret Frightened Rabbit fans? I don't think so, to be honest. It's quite funny, like of all the members in the band... We're all very eclectic and there aren't actually many bands that we have complete agreement on. There's very few. I think like probably Dillinger Escape Plan and Meshuggah would maybe be the ones that we agree on. But then some of us are really into hip hop. Some are really into like obscure avant-garde music. So there's not a huge amount of crossover. As far as I know, the other guys aren't really into Frightened Rabbit or much of the kind of earlier UK progressive indie scene, if you want to call it that. I think I'm the only flag flyer in the band, unfortunately. <laughs> 
And I'm right in saying, is it three or four Scots in Frontera? Yeah, so it's four Scots and an American. Chad actually does know Frightened Rabbit, the American, but I don't think he's got the same sort of cultural attachment that I have to the band being Scottish as well. I think that's a great point, early doors there. Frightened Rabbit seem to have permeated American culture, possibly through the TV and movie pickups they had, more so than maybe mainstream British culture would recognise them. But I certainly think the Scots throughout the groups seem to be the ones who've got that, as you say, cultural attachment. Do you feel an affinity with more Scottish bands than other types of bands? So when I was kind of looking over some discussion points for the podcast, I was actually thinking about this. And I remember coming to hear Frightened Rabbit for the first time. And it was in that sort of fate. I don't know if you know much about this in the Scottish music scene uh, in like the mid 2000s, but there was this kind of, I have to use my language carefully here, this facade where a lot of bands were putting on an overly Glaswegian accent, whether they were from Glasgow or not. And this was around the time that like the excerpts, Twin Atlantic, Biffy, like everybody was kind of climbing the ladder. And so that that was quite like a dicey space for independent bands to be in when they were singing with their own accent, because it was often seen to be quite insincere. And I think, unfortunately, when people said they liked Scottish music in the mid 2000s, they kind of got tired of that brush of oh, you like indie music with an overly Glaswegian accent. And so I was always a bit kind of careful about saying that but I mean to be honest my love of music whether it's Scottish or elsewhere I have a lot of interest in the origins of people's music but I wouldn't like a Scottish band over another band just because they're Scottish a good band or a good artist is a good artist regardless in my eyes but I'm interested in the geography of music generally yeah quite a nerdy answer to that sorry great to talk to you because I think it's such a different origin point for Frightened Rabbit fan And I'm hoping that this will either freak some people out when they listen and they go away and check out your stuff, or hopefully a few fans come out of the woodwork. That's like most people that are in these extreme bands. They're not, I don't know, in my experience, like 90% of the time, they're not the big scary stage persona that they are. Most people I know that are fans of the band that I meet are always like, oh my God, you're so like friendly and like chilled out. Yeah, I'm, you know, you see me redlining my personality for 45 minutes and that's a little glimpse into the whole picture. But imagine being like that all the time. Like you you can't be like that all the time. So yeah, we like to do other things and listen to other styles of music. Was there a first song or something that grabbed you about Frightened Rabbit and said, hey, this is a great band to listen to? Yeah, I mean, I've got a pretty unique uh, introduction to the band. So I went to uni in 2007 and one of the first friends I made was a guy from Selkirk and he was my age at that time. He was into punk music, really, really in, like obsessively into punk music. And then at that stage, I was not really big on punk music. So I was like, yeah, what other kind of stuff do you like? And he was like, oh, there's these like local heroes from this town I'm from, Selkirk, and they're called Frightened Rabbit and they're the best band in the world. And I was like, oh, interesting. That's a pretty bold statement. And this was like a year before Organ Fight came out. He showed me Sing the Greys and then he played me Modern Leper on guitar uh, in 2007 before it was released in 2008. And he had seen them so many times at that point that he could physically play their songs on guitar to like act as some sort of like street team, I suppose. And yeah, so he played me Modern Leper. I still feel it every time I hear that song, the dissonant chord progression and then the resolve and how the vocal melody comes in and it's odd my first experience of a frightened rabbit song was someone else playing it but it was my introduction to it I suppose from there it 
turned into him giving me the organ fight record and I think we're probably similar-ish ages when that came out it was just such a stamp on this is society in Scotland as I know it anyway and yeah I mean it's been said so many times but you know Scott was saying and talking about the world that he lived in in a way that related to so many people who couldn't explain and express what they were going through and living in and every line and every song on organ fight to me was just like oh my god how how beautifully poetic and completely vulgar at the same time it's just like so incredibly well written so yeah i mean that was my first introduction was yeah my pal from selkirk who was <laughs> flying the flag the hometown heroes that early on and forever grateful to him for it he's introduced something great into my life that's an amazing answer and as you say something so different I figured that at some stage someone would come on here and say, oh, the first time I heard them was a cover, but not <laughs> a cover from a friend, pre yeah. a record being released. Yeah. So Although niche. <laughs> I am one of those people as well that I will go to a show and I'll see a band play a song. Once I find <laughs> it out, that will be the song that I love. Not one of your shows. I can't imagine I'd ever be able to be technically that good enough to spy what you're playing. <laughs> yeah 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 it's, it's funny that how you you get that um specifically guitar players they have the bag of songs that they'll dip into when they grab a guitar and one of mine is still modern leper whether it's acoustic or electric it's just such a satisfying guitar part to play it's, yeah it's just it's so good scott went extremely heavy for him towards the end with a master system record as a musician who plays in a more broadly considered darker genre than the poppy indie stuff that perhaps Frightened Rabbit are best known for. Do you find yourself drawn to the heavier songs more or maybe the darker songs more? I don't know. Um, I'm I'm one of these people that's like very obsessive in general and that's like across the board. So if I'm going through quite a bad depressive spell, I'm not one of these people that will put on a happy record and try to drag myself out. I will loathe in that feeling and I'll find anything to do that. If that's Phoebe Bridgers or Frightened Rabbit or The National, I need to wallow in that feeling, whether that's really, really happy or really low. So it would just depend on how I was feeling. But generally speaking, if I was listening to Frightened Rabbit nowadays, it would very much be that I would be feeling quite like uplifted and quite introspective. And I, I have a really different relationship with Scott Hutchison's music now than I did pre-2018. But I would gravitate generally more to the the earlier Frightened Rabbit stuff more so than the Master System stuff, even though I really, really do like the Master System record. It wouldn't be my go-to before anything else, I don't think. I dragged it up because I think it's probably his only example of deliberately opting for going bizarre on both tuning and structure on the songs. Mm -hmm. I mean, he tunes his A to a different Hertz frequency. He's got yeah. <laughs> you know, drops going on all over the place. And having been lucky enough to catch that live, it was too small at all for him to have eight backup guitars at the side of the stage. So it was watching a guy retune two strings, making sure they were in tune with each other and essentially muting the rest of them for a song. And yeah. Being like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an annoying way to tune a guitar. All of the Frontier stuff has four strings of the same note in different octaves. And I, yeah, it's it's very, very annoying to do that. Do you find yourself not feeling limited by that, but perhaps feeling like... Yeah, so for Frontier, it works really well because there's a lot of stock metal sounds that lend themselves well to that kind of tuning. So like a lot of like dissonance can be achieved with the tuning that we have. But also there's some arpeggios 
that create a lot of the eeriness and the lead lines that are a lot easier to create with that tuning as well. But if I'm honest, it's the only stuff that I can play on my guitars that are tuned for that. We are all in another, uh, in another band called Sectioned, which is like very, very fast power violence punk kind of thing. And it's the same thing. You can't really play anything else on that instrument because it's tuned directly for that. But I have like a, a solo project that's much more in the Bon Iver national Kendrick Lamar realm and that's all standard tuning well not unfortunately I've been lucky to have a career playing in mad tunings but it's nice to just have a guitar in standard tuning and not have to worry about intonation and specific strings and neck bow and all the stuff that comes with uh, alternate tunings. Hopefully at some point talk to someone who was on a tour with Frighten Rabbit and ask what were all their go-to songs if they were just stood there messing Mm -hmm. them out do you find spanning the genres that you span with all the different projects when the more modern frightened rabbit stuff was coming out were you thinking i'm so happy that they've they've changed up the sound or were you yearning for the stuff that sounded more simple and that you love to just grab a guitar and play along to yeah good question so i think i've learned that you can't really recreate a magical record you know like a boniverse for emma you can't recreate that organ fight you can't recreate that and when i was living it in real time i suppose i probably was thinking oh i hope they come out with another kind of jangly sparkly you know acoustic indies like nearly folk sort of adjacent record but as i'm older now and i kind of reflect and look at the records i'm so glad that they evolved the way that they did because it's it's such a an exciting sort of addition to the catalogue that was created in the earlier years. Yeah, I was actually listening to an interview with Scott on the Google panel that he did. It was his last interview, as far as I know, in the February of 2018. And he was talking about how he was so excited after he learned how to use Logic because he now had access to all these new sounds. And I really liked that he could put his poetic spin onto a new format. I think it created some really interesting avenues for the band's sound. And I guess ultimately led him to want to make Master System, which is, you know, still at the core, his music, but just another avenue, but maybe wouldn't have fit so well into the Frightened Rabbit umbrella, I guess. You probably hit a nail on the head there as to why that record sounds so different. And perhaps possibly the latter Frightened Rabbit stuff sounded so different as well, that obviously the origin point is a guy in a bedroom, in a bedroom band, as far as he was concerned, that was, that was as far as it was ever going to get, playing all the instruments himself. Stop me if this is sounding like the origins of Frontier as opposed to <laughs> Frighten Rabbit. It's interesting speaking with you. How did you find coming into a project that was someone else's bedroom band? It feels in some ways like a lot of responsibility in some fashion because it's like you're carrying the weight of someone's passion project that they've spent years making but then also Frontier's first record broke the internet I mean it literally broke the Bandcamp sales record for metal on the day that it came out like it outsold Taylor Swift on Bandcamp the day that it came out so people were so invested in the band from the minute the first record was out so I definitely felt a bit of like oh geez yeah there's quite a lot of weight to this it's not just a kid on band like you know our first show was at a festival in front of like a thousand people and a lot of them were there as naysayers to be like there's no way humans can play this it's robot music so I definitely felt that going into it but after that first show with the chemistry of the band and the response from the audience I knew that it was the right combination of people and songs and felt excited by it and I think I've got a good barometer for what makes interesting music and performance and I felt that that was kind of in the 
ballpark with the earlier Frontier stuff and it's evolved a lot now but I definitely felt like there was some pressure from a few sides at the beginning of that project. I can't imagine being anyone post Grant joining Frighten Rabbit. You've heard the first album, you weren't involved in it, you know it's already got quite a lot of love. You either drown in that pressure of trying to recreate the sound that someone's handed you or yeah you see it as an opportunity to learn what someone's idea and project is Mm -hmm. and then bring your creativity down the line if the start feels a bit like it's replication of a sound well if you nail that replication you already know that people loved it yeah kind of joining the right point aren't you i think there also needs to be a little bit of a quiet confidence in that because you've been brought to the table for a reason and oftentimes if it's a project that has legs you've been kind of handpicked because you can add something that other people can't and i think that took me a little bit of time to kind of get my head around but as the band has grown i know my value and i know what i add to it and i think in the beginning i was a bit like oh lucky break i don't know i'll see how long this goes but anyone in any new project they maybe have some imposter syndrome and then they get a bit of kudos for that and then hopefully over time that alleviates. from the Scott Pod here. At this point in the conversation, a combination of human error and technical issues on my end rendered part of the conversation between Dan and myself unusable. So if you want to hear about Dan's heartbreaking story of how close he got to seeing an infamous impromptu performance by Scott at Block in Glasgow, you'll just have to ask him after a Frontier sectioned or lift show sometime soon. In the meantime, we pick up the conversation just after I've asked Dan about his favourite memory connected to Scott. Buddy Scott, funnily enough, named who you'll know from Vasa. So me and him were just like the biggest Scott Hutchison and Frightened Rabbit fans. The week that he had passed away, obviously there was like the tweet that went out and then the news reports and anyone that kind of knew Scott or his story or his struggles, I think got the picture he probably has taken his own life and it was just a matter of time till people found him my friend scott and i once we found out the news we both live in the same area of glasgow and we were just like do you want to go to the pub and like have some kind of celebration yeah we lived the middle of us there was this kind of like old man pool hall kind of thing and uh, i had a jukebox for some reason me and scott at that age would have been like 30 just all these old guys playing pool and we just shoveled money into the jukebox and put every Frightened Rabbit song they had on there and just got shit-faced and sang and man-cried and hugged. And it was like, I guess, quite a morbid version of a fond memory of Scott Hutchison. But to me, it was almost like a celebration that his struggle was over, number one, but two, celebration of what an amazing legacy that he had left. It was a really interesting time in in Glasgow at that point because he was so connected with Glasgow from studying there, the band having some origins there. And any band that does well from Scotland, it's so celebrated because it feels big in Scotland. But when you travel a lot and you see other countries, you realise that nobody knows what's happening in the Scottish music scene. Although it feels massive to us, in the grand scheme, nobody really knows. So for a band like Frabbit to go and make it big in America and be well known, 
when he passed away, the the hole that was left in Glasgow was palpable. Like you could really feel his loss everywhere for months, not even days after it, like months and months, you could feel it. Every band that played a show, every poetry night that happened, it just felt like everyone was dedicating every single thing to Scott Hutchison, rightly so. The man had, or he had left such a mark on the world, whether he had passed away or not. Yeah, it was just amazing for me and, and my other pal Scott to just like celebrate his life in that sort of fashion. And it really sealed a beautiful memory for me with my actual friend Scott, but to kind of celebrate the life of Scott and, and the only way that I suppose we knew how to at the time. Have you done anything else to commemorate Scott? Yeah, so I guess like outside of the tattoo, I am lucky to have like a, a job in music education. So like I lecture music and composition as the kind of day job, I suppose. I've kind of built in some case study on particularly like culturally important records as part of one of the kind of modules that we do. And I've got Midnight Organ Fight as a case study on, on lyric writing and general, I guess, like cultural contribution, given the importance of that record. Every student I've ever shown that to over the last three years, from the age of 15 to a retired teacher that I had last year in his early 60s it's connected with all of them in some fashion and I suppose because I live in the northeast of Scotland now I've moved away from the central belt that um, a lot of people up here never got the memo they never really found Frightened Rabbit for whatever reason so for me it's amazing to continue a little bit of that and to have some people like really find the magic in that not that I need any evidence that the record isn't just a timestamp from 2008, but when I get to see people hear it for the first time and analyze it and really critique it, it just confirms that that notion that it, it's a fairly timeless record, I think, for the most part. I mean, some people could argue about the production on it, but I think for me, that's one of the beautiful things of that record is that it is a DIY record and ethos. Yeah, it, it's timeless. So I feel like I get to kind of continue a bit of the great work of the Hutchisons and, and co by letting new people hear and analyze that music a couple of times a year. That's amazing. Would you say you had a favorite Scott song on the back of that? It's quite difficult to pick. Like I was looking at the album tracks uh, or the track listing, I should say, before the call. And I, I could almost say almost any track on that record is is my favorite, but because they all have different kind of meanings for different reasons. But I think when I really boil it down, it, it kind of has to be Modern Leper or Good Arms versus Bad Arms. And I think just for me, they capture a real special kind of magic between the instrumentation and the lyrics and the, the actual vocal performance on those tracks as well there's just something so it's just a feeling like it's really difficult to create that and have it honestly created and yeah I would say from from that record it it probably has to be one of those two songs I'm gonna give a bit of a shout out to Gareth Raymer Harding because he was Mm -hmm. the guy that gave me the the tip off to get in contact with yourself Uh, oh nice he's a Frontier fan Uh, I think he posted on one of your potentially one of your gig listings, event listings, having spotted you had a Frightened Rabbit tattoo. And then having seen that, he decided to share that with a larger Frabbit group on Facebook to oh, let wow. all no of the fans know that, hey, there's this band out there. They're coming to see us in Australia next week. Right. And one of them has a Frightened Rabbit tattoo and you'd never have expected it. And wow. obviously that's one way that you've commemorated Scott. And I noticed that it's uh, it's not, 
of one of those two songs that you've just mentioned, but it is some Scott lyrics. Yeah, that's right. So like floating in the fourth is the tattoo that I've got on the back of my arm, but I'm amazed someone spotted that in a picture of me performing on stage because I've got like two full sleeves. And when we play on stage, there's really not much time standing still. So it would have to be a, a pretty quick shot to get that. But yeah, so from from the, the, the track floating in the fourth from Midnight Organ Fight, it's it's just like that there's just so much poignancy in that song and it just clicks with my life on so many levels and like when Scott passed away I, I was going through the trenches of my own mental health and I suppose I didn't get that tattoo until a couple of years after he passed away but yeah I guess for me it was almost just like a bit of a celebration of I got through it I managed to find a way to like just get to the other side and a bit of a yeah, commemoration of a song that summarizes a lot of the feelings I was having before I felt like I could get through it. And the same as many, many other people, I'm, I'm not alone in that. I know that, especially when you live in Scotland and you travel like out. So I have to drive over the Fourth Road Bridge twice in a weekend to rehearse with my band, which I do regularly. It's a weird thing to be like traveling over a bridge where an icon, a hero of yours took their life, but also to have that tattooed on you and to sing that song as you traveled over that bridge. It's a very meta kind of layered scenario to be in. Yeah, it, it holds immense weight in my life. It's, it's not just a tattoo. There's, there's many, many layers to it. Such an excellent reason to get that specific tattoo put on your body. Like I said, I, I could just pick like a handful of songs from that record and, and give a good justification that it's weird because I almost feel like that song is a little bit too close to the bone for me to listen to regularly like I don't know if, yeah. if you felt the same but I after he passed away like I literally could not listen after that night I got steaming with uh, Scott from Vasa I couldn't listen to anything by Frightened Rabbit or Scott Hutchison for like pretty much two solid years it hit me in a way that I just never expected and I guess it was the the pairing of my own struggles at that time, but also just the the pure grief of someone you know being gone that meant so much to a collective of musicians in the country that they came from. I still can't really listen to a lot of that record without feeling overly emotional and have to kind of change over to something else. Floating in the fourth, it, to me, I think is still a bit too close to the bone for that reason. It could easily be a favorite on that record as well. It's quite strange. I um, I actually went to Cromarty quite recently as well. So Scott had a house in Cromarty that he went and wrote like a bunch of the latter records in. And it's a place I'd never been to before, but me and my wife just had like a getaway weekend um, just across the bay from there. It was strange being there actually and just thinking that he had written some of his best work there, whether that was poetry or painting or like it was his escape. And when I got there, I, I could really understand why. It's a really beautiful, quaint little, not it's like on the side of a loch and there's 
maybe 500 people that live there and a little ferry that kind of goes across to the other side of the bay. It felt really peaceful to be there. It was almost like, it sounds quite morbid, but it felt like visiting his grave almost because he, you know, you could feel a presence there. It might sound a bit kind of airy-fairy, but I really felt quite at peace after being there, knowing that he had some of his best days, you know, writing and and drawing and sketching in, in that little town. I'm sure you've probably had a bit of it traveling all across the world and playing places that I certainly feel when I visited places, if a great album was written there or a musician that I liked or, you know, any cultural figure that I liked has spent time there. And maybe I'll go and visit something that's not necessarily a grave, but is something connected with that, whether that's going somewhere in Berlin that Bowie went or going somewhere in Seattle in and around Hendrix's old haunts. You do get a sense of the person through, Mm. especially if you're listening to the music at the time, soaking in a bit of that music and seeing the things that they were seeing when the art was being informed and created and, or maybe just the spark was being lit for something. Mm-hmm. I feel like it, it shines through. Is there any specific places you've been in around the world where you just, it feels oh. creatively special mm. to you? Yeah. Great, great question. Where I'm trying to think of somewhere in particular. I mean, I, f- I feel it all the time in Glasgow, if I'm honest, like I feel like there's just so, so many incredible musical minds that have come, well, not even musical, just creative minds that have come from Glasgow that there is a feeling in, in some of the places that you can go there. But I'm trying to think a bit more internationally, I suppose in, in Melbourne as well, in Australia, like I met my wife there and I saw some of my favorite bands there when I lived there and just being back there last month as well, there is a very palpable feeling in the creative areas of that city too and yeah I mean I'd, I'd like to say somewhere like Abbey Road I've, I've, I've not really been to anything just as like deliberately created like that for artists that I like but I suppose for me it's like a vibe in a city a little bit like that like in New York like I, I guess you've probably been there as well it's like you can just feel it everywhere there's just a, a buzz and a vibe and you, you can tell people are starting their big creative journey there I really love that feeling and I suppose where I live up here in the northeast of Scotland there's a little bit of a feeling of that for trad music or traditional music and you don't find that in a lot of other places in in Scotland never mind in the world but there's a real beauty in the celebration of traditional Scottish music up here that I never had when I lived down the road so I suppose like it's really nice to have that on the doorstep here and in my well not even in my opinion like you know award-winning world international known artists in trad music you know nine out of ten of them come from the area that I live in just now so that's a really cool thing but I suppose I'm just always trying to keep my eyes open to to see what's happening creatively in all the places I go generally try to just kind of absorb I'm a bit of a sponge generally I quite like to just see what's happening in a lot of the places I go to it's the best way to be and it gives you another layer to that sense of excitement and exploration and traveling doesn't it if you get to connect in a way that perhaps if you're just there to oh I'll just go and see the three things that TripAdvisor say I should go and see and then move on to the next place Yeah. yeah exactly do you find when you are out touring in places especially as you have played I would say a selection of cities that might not be straight off the bat the ones that people would go over they're the ones that if I was a touring musician would be (laughs) pinnacles have you ever played somewhere and it's just really surprised you like totally different to anticipation all the time yeah I mean that is the beauty of touring in a band that I do is that our last 
tour before Australia, our summer tour is a great example. There were days we were playing to like five, six, seven thousand people at European festivals. And then next night would be in a basement to a hundred people. And then the next would be like a tour support, like for three days with suffocation. So we had everything on the last one. In memory, places that have been a surprise, like Romania, genuinely, when we went to Romania, we were driving through areas. Well, basically where Borat was filmed was in an area of Romania that we drove through. And it's no exaggeration, huts made of mud, stray dogs everywhere, people pulling carts around. And I was honestly thinking to myself, like, what is happening? Like, what are we doing in a place like this? Who's going to come and see a bunch of music nerds play polyrhythms and play with whammy pedals? Nobody turned up and literally 150, 200 people were there, queued, waiting for CDs and records to be signed. And the show was crazy and you can never be surprised by, by the kindness of people or like by, yeah, what, what music means to people. I guess that's the thing I always come home from tour thinking is I I just can't believe how much this means to other people. And I, in my eyes, I have a duty to deliver whatever it is they've sought out. And whether that's to 10 people that turned up or the 7,000 at the festival, I deliberately planned my whole life around being a musician so that I could give that to people so it's the most amazing feeling in the world so yeah Romania was one where else I mean we've played not even in Frontier like in my old band that I toured around Europe with played in squats played in youth hostels played in bunker like played in a war bunker in East Germany And that was wild. Three stories deep. You're talking 150 meters under ground level and playing in a war bunker. (laughs) Yeah, just mad, mad stuff. And Europe's full of that. Like that's the beauty of touring in Europe is that you can do that every other day if you want. And yeah, it's just absolutely crazy. Music has allowed me to see and do things that I never, ever thought could happen. So yeah, just eternally grateful for some mad life choices. I'm sure you'll get it in the ear from some fan from somewhere who was like, no, the best show was surely in this city or that city. The joke in our band is that every tour we do, we end up playing some novelty show played in um, in the north of France in this arts commune. And it was absolutely bizarre. Literally, if you think about a hippie commune, we ended up playing in one of those. And there were like kids running around and parents going wild. And every tour we get something like that. And it's part of the fun. Like, I love it. I, I used to be the the booking agent for the band. Like I booked all of our tours until uh, last year. And so like I intentionally would find stuff like that. But now, thankfully, I don't need to book the tours. I just have to turn up and play and tour manage. And that's enough for me now, I think. <laughs> oh, it's enough jobs for sure. It's yeah, jobs. Yes, absolutely. How aware are you of the broader internet Frightened Rabbit fan groups? So I I know that there's like Facebook groups and there's forums and stuff like that. And obviously like all the kind of sideline relations to Frightened Rabbit, like Tiny Changes and, and Billy and Grant's individual projects and stuff. But beyond that, um, I, I mean, I imagine like anything on the internet, there's sub versions of all of those things that are probably quite creepy in some fashion. <laughs> so is there anything else from the, I want to say like Frightened Rabbit metaverse that you're aware of that you really want to do? I mean, I'll just name some of them in case they, they spark something that's 
Uh, a guy called Adam sends stickers around to people that have been plastered. I think we're talking about every may every continent and maybe every major country that we can think of. There's a sticker wow. somewhere. Yeah. There's obviously his benches. There's one in Kelvin Grove Park in Scotland and one mm-hmm. up in Selkirk. There's one in New York now as well. Um, oh, wow. And I think another couple on the way in various places. Or maybe more broadly, there's this tribute shows or bands that mm-hmm. cover Frightened Rabbit regularly. And you thought, oh, I'd love to go and see them and see if they do anything. Yeah, I mean, that, that's quite a good point. I mean, I've I've not been to the benches. I will definitely um, get to the one in Calvin Grove. I'm in Glasgow this weekend, actually. So I'd like to do that. In terms of covers or like tributes, it would need to be from someone that had a connection, I think. I remember seeing Frank Turner do Modern Leper, I think the week that Scott passed away, and I just bawled my eyes out. I know that they're such close friends and have been touring together for years and stuff. So I'd I'd quite like to see that and maybe like wave across the bay, like some of those more commemoration songs. There's actually a chap called Phil Phil Taylor. He was in a group called Pause, P-A-W-S, and he was deeply attached to the Frightened Rabbit records. And he did a cover of Modern Leper that was just soul-crushingly beautiful, unbelievable. And it's on YouTube. It's like a high-quality production on, on YouTube. But he's a guy from Inverness up here in Scotland. And I remember feeling totally, totally moved by that. And I think he plays that in almost every set that he does now he's made it a real anchor point in his set so i think something like that would be cool but i think if it was a beatles mania version of frightened rabbit just trying to be a tribute act i don't know if i would really enjoy that so much camp mm-hmm. cope recently got me with a, when they, they toured and caught them in manchester and mm-hmm. broke into a frightened rabbit song completely out of the blue and was just like where's this come from the new the lead singer was a fan of Scott's and Scott was a fan of her stuff or their stuff. Mm-hmm. And how do you yeah. travel halfway across the world from Australia and think, oh, I'll just Whack not in a, a rabbit. <laughs> yeah, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just crack on with a frightened rabbit song and see if anyone in the crowd gets it. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking, this is, this is one of the highlights of my year that someone's decided yeah. to cover him. Phil's also an amazing illustrator too, very similar in the same vein to like output in terms of um, what Scott did as well. For anyone that feels like having a massive cry, um, have a look at his version of Modern Leper. It's so painful. It's it's amazing. It's a tough old listen, but when you know there's a a, a nice connection, yeah, you you can feel the earnestness or the the authenticity, then I I quite like to kind of dip a toe into that world of things. But I like the sound of your man with the stickers. I'll, I'll definitely take some stickers if he's sending some around the place. Yeah, Adam Daniels. <laughs> Adam Daniels. If you know the Frightened Rabbit Recognition Group, if you yeah. just search Adam Daniels in there, he's cool. still sending them out, and I'm sure I'll send you some. And the fact that you've got such a good way of spreading them around places. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll definitely have a dig around Facebook, see if I can find them. Absolutely. And it, obviously, he does it all for tiny changes. I've missed the boat being out in Australia and Singapore just now, but yeah, I'll be in other places soon, I'm sure. <laughs> have you got any other? tiny changes that you're working towards anything else you'd like to do to commemorate Scott or any other ways that you'd like to try and retain his memory yeah I mean I don't really have a really profound answer to that I suppose like I guess for me it's just trying to embody some of the message and the power and his art and 
although my inspiration from what he does manifests in a very different way than you might expect, I still kind of see that as a continuation of the general ethos and the power of, of what he had achieved and the band had achieved. But in, in physical terms, not so much. I mean, I'm a fan of fundraising and shouting about tiny changes. And like I mentioned before, I quite obsessively was into tiny changes once I got launched. And I'd watched so many interviews with Scott's mum and his other brother when they started the charity and ended up in this wormhole of like the origins of even their whole family unit and I ended up in this uh, YouTube rabbit hole and I found interviews with local Selkirk Radio and the uh, Hutchison family when they began the charity so yeah I mean I'm fairly invested in that and like I said with the work I do in music education just making sure people are aware of the importance of it um and yeah i guess beyond that there's not really a huge amount in the plans i suppose to um to do much more than that at the moment so i'm i'm hearing a no on a frontier <laughs> cover of cover of oh, modern Pope. <laughs> yeah. <Pope. laughs> yeah sadly no no covers due i feel like it takes an immense amount of self-belief and talent to do a cover of a song, I think, in general, and then release it. But never mind one that would mean so much to you. I just can't imagine a world where I would be a guy doing covers of songs that mean a lot to me. But I have immense respect for people that feel that they've got something to add to someone else's song. But I, I don't think I could ever do justice to a, a Scott Hutchison piece. I'm not sure if you heard any of the covers records, like the one with Julia Baker and... Yeah, I I heard every every single one multiple times. Yeah, I loved it. I absolutely adored it. I thought it was such a beautiful way. And the choice of people to include in that, I I loved it. Yeah, I really, really loved it. The Tenny Changes covers record, I think, shone a light on that perfectly. The Biffy Clyro cover as well. I actually remember reading, not reading, um, or maybe I can't remember if I read it or so on YouTube, but basically Simon Neal was like, this is the song I wish I wrote. Like, this is, you know, a song I dearly wish I could have written one of the best songs that has ever been written in his own words. And their version of that tune as well is just, oh man, like, yeah, it's, it's so cool to hear people reimagine a song that you've got ingrained into like your brain <laughs> that you know every minuscule piece of detail to. It's really cool. It's weird that as well, because the one on the record, I was fortunate enough to be at the Sleep Out show where oh, yeah, essentially, yeah. yeah, the band roped in everyone and anyone who they knew <laughs> to come and play covers. And that was the Biffy's choice. Oh, and right. Yeah, yeah, on that night. They came out and did three or four acoustic and they did nice. that as part of the acoustic set. Grant was watching from the side of the stage and I could see him just itching to play it or like he was kind of <laughs> tapping along and it was so nice. But at the same time, seeing it stripped back and not having Simon scream like he does on that cover yeah. is something else. Like that cover, yeah. so it hits you instantly that yeah, it's yeah, something to him. Yeah, it's so cool. I mean, you can feel it in in that recording. You know, it's not just the usual Simon Neil scream. There's like a lot, lot more weight to it. Man, I've got such a weird full circle situation with that. So the first time, like I've seen Biffy above 20 times, they were one of the first small bands that I grew up with and saw them be successful. But the first time I saw them was 2004 when they were just between 
Vertigo of Bliss and Infinity Land, kind of touring in between that neck of the woods. And they had Ruben on tour support. And I remember seeing Ruben and just being like, oh my God, this, this is the new thing. This is unbelievable. And literally two weeks ago when we were in Australia, Jamie Lenman put a post on his Instagram being like, uh, he he made a card out of pasta and like a like a Valentine's card, glued pasta onto the front of it, and was like, "Will Frontier be my band friend or whatever?" And he was shouting about us, and he mailed the card to the PO box in Edinburgh. And I was just like, what is my life? Like <laughs> out in Australia touring the world with my band and a guy that I found by accident and I've idolized his band ever since. And anything he's done ever since is now like fan mailing my band. <laughs> it's just like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> it's a small old world, the UK music scene. But yeah, I felt very, file that one under like things you never thought you'd see as a teenage music guy. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to respond to Jamie's card with a simile made. <laughs> I'll, I'll have card. to have a think about it. Yeah, man, it's annoying. I've played so many festivals that he's been on and I had to leave before or after or he's had to leave before or after and I've never managed to do the big fangirl thing but um, DM'd him after that Frontier thing and I was just like, I used to skip school to go watch you play, so thanks. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favourite things is when a musician that you love ends up supporting another musician that you love. Yeah, I mean, there's so many cases of that interconnected with Scott. Saw him up in up in Glasgow playing with Idlewild. Then mm -hmm. he gets roped into playing with Rod Jones on one of his side projects. So cool. Good people being good people. Like, I, I, I've, honestly, it's one of the only things that I truly believe in in life is that if you are good to people, good people will come to you. It's the only thing that I've stuck with. <laughs> and it's, it's led me to the most amazing people and adventures and luck that I, I could ever imagine. I think people in the music industry that are assholes will generally be surrounded by those other types and will be weeded out very quickly like you can climb very quickly by being an asshole in the music industry but you're you know you're out before you're in kind of thing so yeah it's, it's true and I mean like Scott's whole attitude of just constantly wanting to help anyone it's in his character and it's, it's what solidified him as, as such a, a backbone and a pillar of goodness in the music scene. If you could just plug all your stuff everywhere and I mean anything that you want to plug anything that you want to reference Oh, nice. Thanks. It'll all go in. Yeah, cool. Um, so I guess like main thing would be Frontierer and we're just off the back of an Australian tour and we have a bit of downtime, but we do have two multicam desk recorded videos from festivals coming out very shortly, one linked to Audio Tree. So keep an eye on socials. It's just Frontierer Band for anything and anywhere that you can find that stuff. And then I suppose after that, I've got a side project called Lift. Anyone that's into like Bonnever or the national or what else i guess well so adam betts is on it so adam betts that plays in like colossal squid or three trap tigers me and him made a record together and that's that uh, project lift so it's got lots of like breakbeat kind of stuff a lot of atmospheric boniver style stuff and there's three other collaborations on there so if that sounds like it's up anyone's street um it's a record called there is beauty in everything and it was released in 2021 through Venn records which is the guys in gallows so really immensely proud of that record so yeah frontier 
here is one thing that I do, but I do a lot of other things. Project is Lift, and I've got a short documentary about that that I scored all the music to coming out before the end of the year as well. So if anyone's into um, any of that stuff, feel free to have a look. But otherwise, yeah, I think those would be the the main things that I would push. That'll go down really well with the Frabbit fans. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely elements of like the electronic sample playing around with samples and stuff on there but it's yeah just quite a concise seven track kind of thing with some collab i mean you might know one of the other ones finn lamar now he's a really interesting percussive mathy guitar guy but like all the vasa guys this guy from selkirk all of us went to uni together to study music and ended up all in bands in glasgow so i've just roped in favors from all my <laughs> industry friends really for that record it's the best way to uh, be you yeah. know what you're going to get with your friends yeah it's more straightforward definitely and yeah, also just to say thanks so much for having me on. Like I, I take great pleasure in doting over and just eulogizing over Scott and Frightened Rabbit and, and all the great stuff. And I, I think anyone that's kind of shining a light on it and doing the stuff that you're doing, Alex, is like really, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing stuff. It's the Lord's work, as they say. So yeah, really, it's, it's awesome to be included. So I really do appreciate it. It would be nothing without people like yourself agreeing to come on. And it would be really boring if people had to hear me trot out the same anecdote <laughs> that I've tried out to almost every guest every time <laughs> so I'm so glad that you agreed to come on really appreciate your time honestly it's been loads of fun big time it's the power of music you know it's like you can turn up anywhere in the world and, and share that feeling with with people so yeah it's it's a an awesome part of uh, the creative realm to be involved in feel really really lucky to, to be able to do it thanks a million for today honestly I, I love talking about this kind of stuff so it's it's no no bother at all. was dan stevenson there thanks again to dan it was truly a pleasure to chat scott with someone i didn't expect to have so many connections with beyond a shared love of frightened rabbit it goes to prove what dan said the uk music scene is small and regardless of genre whether it be extreme metal and electronic or whatever it is there are people connected by scott's music and legacy go check out frontera and there is beauty in everything by lift time for a couple of community submissions on this episode if you're listening to this near time of release it's the festive season. Why not head over to Tiny Changes shop and have a look and see if there's any gifts that you might want to give a loved one. Also, Frightened Rabbit recently released a new range of merchandise, which you can check out over on their web store. If you're listening to this before December 12th, 2022, head over to Instagram or Just Giving and search for Splendid Decay. Many of you will recognise Splendid Decay's work, producing Frightened Rabbit cross necklaces, which have so far raised over $10,000 in aid of Tiny Changes. They also run regular raffles, featuring prizes which any Frightened Rabbit fan would be grateful to receive for Christmas. This December is no different, so if you're listening to this before the 12th of December 2022, you have the opportunity to enter in this month's raffle and try and win a copy of Frightened Rabbit's It's Christmas, So We'll Stop, on vinyl. Originally released in 2008 and limited to only 650 copies, it's surely worth a $3 entry, if only to chip in a little to tiny changes. So for your chance to enter head over to justgiving.com forward slash fundraising 
forward slash Splendid Decay. That's S-P-L-E-N-D-I-D-D-E-C-A-Y. To close out this episode of The Scott Pod, regular champion of Scott Hutchison, George Gadd, got in touch to request the following cover go out in tribute to Mickey Warren Woods of the band Wilted Flower. Wilted Flower featured on last year's Scott Hutchison tribute record Extra Super Very Friends, with a beautiful and poignant cover of Modern Leper. Following the passing of Mickey Warren Woods in November 2022, our thoughts go out to their friends, family, and all the fans of their music. We remember their lasting contribution to celebrating the music of Scott Hutchison. Thanks to George for both the suggestion and for obtaining permission from Mickey's family for this cover. If you want to hear more Wilted Flower, head over to Wilted Flower Music on Facebook or wiltedflower.bandcamp.com. Here's Dan Stevenson's favourite Frightened Rabbit song, Modern Leper, performed by Wilted Flower, in memory of Mickey Warner Woods. So I can't.